1: we are listening to the AME Radio Show. Yay!
2: Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm your host, Jason Dowd, and we got a great show for you guys today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy with us as we talk about everything art, music, and entertainment related. And as you know, it's Halloween, so we're going to kind of stay in the Halloween spirit. I'm going to tell you some cool things that might get you a little excited about going out, maybe ghost hunting, uh, but it's still kind of going to be a little bit related to to the entertainment industry. So we got a lot to do today. We have two great guests coming up. We have Shaquita Smith. She is the director, producer, and writer of Truth or Double Dare. And we also have Frank Ford coming on. He's the co-founder of the four-day weekend. And I'm going to be doing a little bit of some fun stuff with him. We're going to be doing some improv right over the phone. I've never done improv before. He's never done improv over the phone. So we'll see how that's going to go in just a little bit. But before we go anywhere, please check out our website, www.theamemagazine.com. Check it out anytime you want. See who we have coming up. See who we have had in the past. Everything is archived up there, our television, magazine, and radio. That's what it's all about. We also have a new way of keeping in contact with us. It's a really cool way to do it, too. It's, It's a brand new app. All you have to do is go to our website, look for the little Android icon on there, and click it. It'll take you to the Google Play Store, download it for free, or you can go directly to the Google Play Store and type in the AME experience, all lowercase, all together, one word, and download it for free there. And there's a couple of other ways that you can find us on social media, which is at Dowd Studios for Twitter and www.facebook.com forward slash the AME Experience. So keep those conversations going. Like us, follow us, do whatever it takes, but let's get out the word to everybody that we're here because remember, you we are a voice for artists everywhere. It doesn't matter what type of art you're in. If you're passionate, we would love to be able to get you on here and talk about what you love to do because remember, your art's like an island. If you don't get it out there and tell people, nobody's ever going to come to it. Okay, so are you guys ready to get in a little bit of the Halloween spirit? Because I'm going to be talking about some famous ghosts. And these ghosts come from all over the United States, but we're going to talk about two of them in particular. One of them is actually in Hollywood itself. It is the hauntings at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. The hotel is a 12-story high with 300 guest rooms and 63 suites. The premise is haunted by a multitude of ghosts, two of which are known to to be celebrities. Montgomery Clift haunts the room in 928, the room he stayed at while filming From Here to Eternity. Most complaints are about him moving around the room and shifting occupants' luggage. Other hotel guests have seen him in the hallway rehearsing his lines for a movie or playing the trumpet. Now, perhaps one of the most famous hauntings in the Roosevelt is Marilyn Monroe. She is said to haunt the full-length mirror that was once in her suite. Since she stayed at the hotel, the mirror has been relocated from her room. Now, room 213, however, is reported to be the most haunted room in the entire hotel. Many of the room's occupants check out in the middle of the night because of the obvious ghost activities in the room. A handful of people have reported seeing a headless apparition coming towards them, while others have complained of television and sinks getting turned on and off on their own throughout the night. According to the hotel, some of the ghost hauntings the hall... According to the hotel, some of the ghosts haunting the halls were poor when they arrived. As they could not afford their stay at the hotel when they were alive, they came back to haunt it now. Okay, so now we're going to go to the Midwest, and we're going to be talking about Chicago. One of my favorite hauntings of all time, and this is Resurrection Mary. Although stories of vanishing hitchhikers in Chicago date back to the horse and buggy days, Mary's tale begins in the 1930s. It was around that time that drivers along Archer Avenue started to report strange encounters with a young woman in a white dress. She always appears to be real until she would inexplicably vanish. The reports of this girl began in the middle 1930s and started when motorists passing the Resurrection Cemetery began claiming that a young woman was attempting to jump onto the running boards of their automobiles. Not long after, the woman became more mysterious and much more alluring. The strange encounters began to move further away from the graveyard and closer to the O. Henry Ballroom, which is now known as the Willowbrook. She was now reported on the nearby roadways and sometimes inside the ballroom itself. On many occasions, young men would meet a girl in the ballroom, dance with her, and often offer her a ride home at the end of the evening. She would always accept and offer vague directions that would lead north on Archer Avenue. When the car would reach the gates of the Resurrection Cemetery, the young woman would always vanish. More common were the claims of motorists who would see the girl walking around the road. They would offer her a ride and then would witness her vanishing from the car. These drivers would describe the girl in detail, and nearly every single description precisely matched the previous accounts. The girl was said to have light blonde hair, blue eyes, and was wearing a pretty white party dress. Some of the more attentive drivers would sometimes add that she would wear that she wore a thin shawl or dancing shoes and that she had a small clutch purse. Others even had more harrowing experiences. Rather than having the girl vanish in their car, they claimed to actually run her down in the street. They claimed to see a woman in a white dress bolt from the front of their car near the cemetery and would actually describe the sickening thud that she was struck by the front of a car when they would stop to go to her aid she would be gone some even said that the automobile passed directly through the girl at the point she would turn and disappear through the cemetery gates bewildered and shaken drivers began to appear almost routinely in nearby businesses and even at the nearby justice illinois police station they told strange and frightening stories and sometimes they were even believed and sometimes they weren't regardless they created an even greater legend of the vanishing girl who would go on to become resurrection mary But who is this young woman, or at least who was she when she was alive? Most researchers agree that the most accurate version of the story concerns a young girl who was killed while hitchhiking down Archer Avenue in the 1930s. Apparently, she had spent some evening dancing with her boyfriend at Old Henry's Ballroom. At some point, they got into an argument, and Mary, as she came to be called, stormed out of the place. Even though it was a cold winter night, she thought she would rather face a cold walk home rather than another minute with her boorish lover. She left the ballroom and started walking up Art Avenue. She had not gotten very far when she was struck and killed by a passing automobile. The driver fled the scene, and Mary was left there to die. Her grieving parents buried her in Resurrection Cemetery. Wearing a white dress and her dancing shoes. Since that time, her spirit has been seen along Archer Avenue, perhaps trying to return to her grave after one night among the living. It has never been known just who the earthly counterpart of Mary might have been. Over the years, there have been many sightings and encounters of a ghost alleged to be Resurrection Mary. Dozens of men have told of picking up the same girl or meeting her at the ballroom, only to have her disappear from their car. Perhaps the most believable encounter with Mary took place in 1939 and involved a young man named Jerry Pallas. The majority of the reports seemed to come from the cold winter months, like the account passed on by a cab driver. He picked up a girl who was walking along Archer Avenue one night in 1941, It was very cold outside, but she was not wearing a coat. She jumped into the cab and told him that she needed to get home quickly. She directed him along Archer Avenue, and a few minutes later, he looked back and she was gone. He realized that he was passing in front of the cemetery when she disappeared. The stories continued, and perhaps the strangest account of Mary was the one that occurred the night of August 10, 1976. The event remained so bizarre after all of this time because of the occasion. Mary did not just appear as a passing spirit. It was on this night that she had left evidence behind. A driver was passing by the cemetery around 1030 at night when he happened to see a girl standing on the other side of the gates in the cemetery. He said that when he saw her, he saw her wearing a white dress and grasping the iron bars of the gate. The driver was considerate enough to stop down the street at the justice police station and alert them to the fact that someone had been accidentally locked inside the cemetery at closing time. The officer responded to the call, but when he arrived, there was no one there. The graveyard was dark and deserted and there was no sign of any girl. But his inspection of the gates where the girl had been standing did reveal something. The revelation chilled him to the bone. He found out that two bars on the gate had been pulled apart at bent at sharp angles. To make things worse, at the points on the green-colored bronze where they had been pried apart were blackened scorch marks. Within these marks was what Look to be skin texture and handprints that had been seared into the metal with incredible heat. This is pretty incredible, guys. I tell you what, I, you know, it's, it's something I've always wanted to see, and hopefully one of these days I'll be able to get there and see who Resurrection Mary actually is. Maybe even see her in person, I don't know. But the lore of Chicago is probably one of the greatest of all time ghost stories. They're all over the place up there. So check it out when you get a chance. But now we're going to go to a quick commercial break and when we come back we have Shaquita on the line and we will be talking to her about her movie so don't go anywhere. Do
0: you love horror, the strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends? Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions then you should check out Internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird. <laughs> Hi everyone, my name is Darius Norman, the author of the new book entitled Rewriting Financial Rules. Have you wondered and needed advice in terms of repairing and building your credit? Do you need strategies to boost and to see quick results in building your credit? Do you need to learn how to protect yourself against financial predatory companies like debt collection? Well, look no further. Rewriting Financial Rules is the perfect book to give you the step-by-step process to adjust and make those changes financially. Hi, this is Jennifer McGill from the new Mickey Mouse Club, also a new recording artist, and you're listening to
1: AME Radio.
2: Welcome, everybody, back. We have on Skype, actually, Shakita Smith. She is the producer of Truth or Double Dare, and she has also been seen in the Tupac biopic, which is really cool to, to be able to be a part of that. So welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good. How about yourself?
2: I'm doing pretty good. I know it's been a crazy day, but I'm, I'm happy to be able to to sit here and talk about some fun stuff now, right?
1: <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs>
2: So you decide. When did you decide you wanted to be a producer? What made being, what made producing movies and te- television so enticing?
1: Honestly, I just fell into it. It fell into my lap. Um, I started back when I was what twenty-one years old, and um, I've been loving it ever since. It's it's one of those things where I love to help people and I love to create. I'm a very I'm a, I'm a big visionary, um, individual and once I realized that I can put my creativity in film, it just started blossoming for me.
2: What's been the biggest thing that has made it hard for you and also easy for you to do your job?
1: Well, the easy part in producing, because I also direct the truth of double dare, is me being an actor, me being on set a lot of times and knowing what to expect. So, a lot of times I'm coming in because I, I already had the experience um, on sets and doing films. Now, difficult part in producing is making sure that everyone is where they're supposed to be. <laughs> and, um, you know, just having a good time. Honestly, when you're on set, it's it's nothing too difficult because you know I already expect the unexpected when I'm on set.
2: Well, you know, I started to learning. I started to learn a lot about directing, and one of the things that I realized is that you know, there's so many parts to a movie. You have the music, you have the actors, you have the set people, you have the costume people, the makeup people, and it goes on and on and on. Right. But then it all comes together in that scene, and that's where you have to take all that artistic vision, see it for everybody. Dictate it to everybody and then put it all together. Right. What? What? How? How? How do you manage to do that? And how do you see what you want to see beforehand? And how do you make sure that it comes out the way that you see it on camera?
1: It's you know it's honestly it's interesting because I already saw the film when when I read the script automatically I already know how it's going to be uh, shot. That's like if someone. read of where their favorite novel you're already visualizing how the characters look um what they're doing you know um that's the same for directors you know they're actually looking at the script and okay this is how this is going to be i already have it visualized and once we're on set it's now putting that piece into reality um and that's, that's the most amazing part for me. But, but the crazy part is because, you know, everybody that's on set and everybody that work, work with me, they're saying, Chiquita, you are very interesting because you can turn yourself around and be like, okay, nope, I don't hear it. You need to do this, you do that. And I don't – because I I automatically know it's a sense. You know, sometimes I say it's a God-given talent. Who knows? But um, – I just channel myself when I'm on set to know exactly what I need and how I how it's played inside my mind. And also, you know, you have your storyboards and you know different things just to kind of pull it all together. But it also needs, you know, every piece, you know, and, and it's also a pro, a process too. Sure.
2: So let's just say you're out you're out on on taping or whatever you're whatever you're doing that particular day, and the actors just aren't getting the emotion down. They're not getting something down that's just not right. How do you train them and say, we need to do it this way, but not, you know, hurt their feelings or anything like that, but give them, you know, constructive criticism, yet also help get your vision to what you want them to do so it goes smoothly?
1: <laughs> the funny thing is, uh, a situation happened on set that um, one of my characters, uh, one of the characters, she... uh she was crying because she felt like i was working her extremely hard and i wasn't um she wasn't prepared she didn't know her lines and she was a beautiful girl beautiful wonderful woman but i knew that she didn't give me exactly what i wanted and what people you know the 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 cast and the crew They're they they were sitting there and we had to do like a thousand takes just to get this this scene and I looked at her and I said, look, you know, you are beautiful, but I want you to take that out of it. You are a serial killer. You are someone that I, I believe in. And, and one of those things is that I had to sit with her and we had to do one-on-one. And, of course, like the cast is like, oh, my God, does she have her line yet? I'm like, wait, don't say that. She has her lines. And um, she had, we had this heart to heart. And I said, look. I want the best for you, and I'm not beating you up just because of who you are. I'm beating you up because at the end of the day, when people see this movie, when they see your performance, I want them to say, oh, my God, she gave me this just phenomenal performance you know, that she could possibly give, and I kind of put myself in an actor's shoes. Like I said, I'm an actor as well, and kind of give them an understanding from an actor point of view on how I wanted it to be. Perceive. So it's a little bit easier for me to kind of put myself in their shoes versus a director that hasn't. Right. Because it's, it's, it's a little bit more difficult.
2: Well, there's so many directors that have never acted before, too. So, you know, there is two sides to that camera. You know, you got the the, the behind-the-scenes version and the in-front-of-the-camera version. So being able to, to be in her shoes, it, it must have been a lot easier to help help her calm down and and... And grasp the situation.
1: She did, she did. Um, I look back at what we have so far, you know, we're in post production right now and it's phenomenal, you know, and I'm and I'm so happy and grateful that I chose her to be a part of it. But you know, we always tell that story all the time. Me and her, we're like, Oh my gosh, you just you did me so wrong but I I really needed it and I love you and I thank you for that. And now she's doing some wonderful and amazing things.
2: So casting in a horror film is very important. Uh, for many, many reasons, mm-hmm. how did you go about casting the characters, and what were you looking for in some of the characters that you were playing?
1: What I wanted was diversity. I wanted every uh, every every race to kind of uh, uh, be attached to one of the characters. You know, we have um, we have African American, we have King, and we have um, Indian, we have um, uh, what is it, uh, Asian. You know, we have different people from different, you know, um, backgrounds that brought their own personality on set. And one of the things is I looked at each individual and I said, what can they give that just anyone can look at and and, and take home with them when they leave the theaters or when they're watching it on their television? Um, You know, we we, we did, you know, for me, I, I love the fact that we had, you know, someone that was... You know, vulnerable. We had someone that has been hurt. We had someone that you know, it's the it's the jock of the of the group. You know, like the different friends that you can kind of have when you're in high school and you just continue to be friends twenty years later, and they all grow up to be these amazing you know individuals. But yet, and still, they all have dirty secrets. So (laughs) it's it it was it was a good it was a good feel. I loved every. Um, cast member, you know, they all brought something that uh, I felt like w- was a, a good asset to the film. Tell us a little bit about
2: what this film's about.
1: Well, Truth or Double or Dare is about a group of friends that grew up together, and they decided to do a few things back in the, you know, when they were in high school, and they didn't know that it was going to haunt them in the future. And once their 20 year you know reunion comes about the truths from their past start opening up, and we realize that none of them are actually perfect, and none of them basically did i mean they they all did something that they all regret to today
2: Wow, you know what's really hitting home with that is this Saturday is my twentieth uh class reunion. <laughs> So I wonder if any of that's gonna play out in my in my case, you know.
1: <laughs> well, hopefully that doesn't happen you're right. not in the house and you have a serial killer with a slag, you know, with a knife. So yeah. So hopefully that doesn't happen.
2: <laughs> well hopefully if they are even like that they're already in jail. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. Please.
2: <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what, where this movie is going to be seen, and what ty- what time frame are we going to be looking about? So that way you can come out and and see it, maybe in like a video on demand or anything like that.
1: Yeah. Well, right now, um, it will be opening Halloween, okay, 2017, because it is a horror film. We wanted people to go out when you know, uh, Freddy versus Jason is out, and all those scary movies. But um, it'll be out um. We're looking into that, that same day, which is Halloween, um, but we don't technically know which avenue it'll be out, I would say, within a few weeks. So you'll see some commercials and you know some more PR work when it comes to the release of the film.
2: Now, was this your first horror film that you've ever been a part of? And if it is, even if it isn't, did anything in this thing shock you? Even though it was your own vision, <laughs> to say, whoa, whoa, "Whoa, that thing creeps me out too." That's, you did that well. well
1: yes, uh, <laughs> uh, this is my first horror. I do a lot of um, action, suspense, thriller films, so this one was a little bit far fetched. But as, as everyone knows, I love blood, so it wasn't. It wasn't too. It wasn't too shocking, but I will say there was a shocking moment where we have a scene. You know, I want. Um, give too much about the film but uh, the special effects um, woman she did a phenomenal job where there was like guts hanging out of this guy's chest and it looked like his brains were splattered everywhere and you got this blood and it looks so real and I'm like oh my god what is this <laughs> it looked like a you know a, a death or something so I thought that was you know pretty pretty interesting and um There was another scene where there's an opening where this girl is, you know, pinned down to the chair. And um, I had this crazy psycho uh, vision in my mind where I wanted, like, all this blood splattered everywhere. And I wanted her to be screaming. And, like, she has, like, um, her brown panties on, but it's, like, blood everywhere. And, you know, like, it's one of those teenage things. Like, oh, my God, she's a pretty girl, but she's going to get killed, you know? So (laughs) I thought that was... um, that was pretty cool because you had like all of these um, weapons that this killer, what, what a, the, the killer was using and just to see him just play with her. Because I wanted, when it came to this film, I wanted suspense as well as, you know, I want I wanted the audience to be, be like at the tip of their, their feet when they come and, and see this film. So let's talk a
2: little bit about how you got into acting. When did you start acting? And I'm sure that was before you started directing and producing.
1: Oh, of course. Um, God, I've been acting since since middle school. I graduated with a theater degree at Troy State University. And um, I've been acting ever since. I mean, first thing that I directed was a stage play, a few stage plays, and then I transitioned over to film. So um, that actually was easier for me. To you know transition over to to directing because I've been acting for so long into you know in theater productions and you know going to class and and everything like that that you know now I, I, I can't do anything else <laughs> like this is this is my life right now
2: <laughs> so what do you like better? Do you like the live action theater or do you like to do television or mo- or movies better
1: honestly. I always tell people this, is that I love theater only because you're... Some people say it's more difficult, but I say that is it's the origin of acting. And I always love the origin of where acting comes from. Um, but I do also love film and television. I think it's entertaining. But what is so true to me is when an actor can, you know, be on stage with no script and has to do a show from beginning to end, and, you know, improv, if they lose their, you know, forget their, their lines, I think that's true art, versus, you know, with film, you have to stop, and you have to say, oh, wait, I messed up my line, and then we can reshoot it again, but I think it, it, it takes a true artist to to carve out that, that piece.
2: I agree, and, you know, there's nothing more real than getting up there without being edits or anything like that that can happen. You know, you, you're 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 at the mercy of the of the crowd. So you know that 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 takes a lot of guts. And I think it would. I think that's probably where I'd like it the most too. I mean, I know I I know I know, I know I can never be an actor myself, but you know, I just could.
1: Hey, you probably could.
2: Well, you know, I would. I always wanted to, but I can't. I have a I have a problem where I just can't remember everything, or I know what I want to say, but it doesn't come out the mouth the way I want to say it. So. Right. You know, people love my expressions and I can get out there and make anybody laugh and I can I think improv would be the best way to do it. You know, if I didn't have any scripts or anything like that, I could make it work, but unfortunately there are scripts, so that kind of my my uh, career. <laughs> no, no, it's it's
1: fine. I mean, to be honest, I only have one film that I um I I am in that I feel like it's going to be—it's going to test my acting abilities, um, which I'm up for And it's actually this movie is going to actually be in theaters with some um, great actors, and it's an action film because, like I said, I love action films. Sure. And um, I'm playing an assassin, which is pretty cool. But um, that is in in October. We're being shot in October while my film is being released in October. <laughs> so that's going to be a, a, a very busy busy month for me.
2: Well you were also in that in that Tupac biopic which is a really powerful piece that came out about a very prominent uh rapper during the time and there's so much controversy about him. What was it like to be in something like that?
1: That film wow. It was very interesting. Um I thought that it was history, you know. I feel like when it comes to the Tupac story um it's a lot of untold story, it's, a, it's an untold story, and it's an untold mystery, and to be a part of that, I felt like it was um, an amazing uh, feeling for me. Um, and, you know, I enjoyed whoever, you know, played the Tupac guy, I thought that was pretty cool.
2: <laughs> they did a good job with him, they really did.
1: <laughs> he, he, he did, they did, they did.
2: So what's oh. your take on it? Do you really think he's dead, or do you think he just decided to drop off the face of the earth and he's in some type of island right now, just laughing it all off and <laughs> making millions?
1: You know what? Honestly, I think that this—that he is... I, I think, honestly, I don't know, but I i, I feel personally that he, he, he he's rest in peace. He's, he's down under.
2: <laughs> I think the same thing, because I think a guy with that much passion and he loved it, it was his life, to just give it up, to walk away, would be very hard. You know, even like Michael Jackson tried a couple of times and he just couldn't do it. He had to be out on stage. So I just think that he would, I think they would bother him.
1: Mm, I totally agree. I totally agree. And, you know, like I said, it, it is still controversy on, on that story, but, you know, as long as people know, you know, his purpose, I
2: think that's all that matters. Right. Or he's just found that same spaceship with Elvis and all those other guys out there. They're just floating around in the in the, in the outer space, you know. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is true. That is true.
2: <laughs> well, well Sequita, please tell everybody once again when this movie is going to possibly come, be coming out. Like you said, it's it's around October and where they can find it and where they can find out more about you.
1: Yes, they can um, find out more information on Facebook.com slash of Double Dare and also Instagram.com slash of Double Dare. You can also just Google of Double Dare and it will be um, on your searches. And also, I mean, when it comes to me and you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Instagram.com. Um, slash Shakita underscore official and also com. so I have a lot of things going on up there and you know I'm pretty sure everyone wants to keep in contact
2: <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for coming on and sharing your passions of, that you're that you're so passionate about your your movie here that I cannot wait to see I love Horror Fix I'm cute. glad it's coming on, on uh, around October 31st for Halloween which is actually my birthday the next day so that'll be a nice oh, surprise wow. and uh We might
1: get get you some tickets to the premiere so you can come out and hang out with us.
2: (laughs) That would be awesome. We would have so much fun. Right. (laughs) And good luck with everything else you have coming up.
1: Thank you so much. and You have a wonderful, amazing day.
2: (laughs) You too. All right, guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial. We'll be right back after this. having his work at Disney. Come see the beautiful first release of the series, which includes Distressed Dancer, Spanish Serenade, The Pied Piper, and Reaching for the Czars. You can see them in person or online at www.imaginationartstudios.com. For more information, visit the website. Again, it's imaginationartstudios.com. Our Facebook is Imagination Art Studios. Twitter is at Dow Studios. And Instagram is at Jason Dow. Come and be mesmerized by the masks and the stories behind them.
0: Your time hasn't come yet, baby You've got a lot of dreams to go Your time hasn't come yet, baby
2: Hey guys, it's Jason Dowd and I got a special announcement for you You know, it's hard to believe, but 2018 marks the 50th anniversary of Elvis Presley's Speedway Co-star Victoria Page Myerink will be making personal appearances throughout the year sharing her memories of Elvis. Visit myerink.com that's m e y e r i n k.com to find out where or to host a screening or speedway event of your own with Victoria. She's going to be bringing candid special behind the scenes memories of working with Elvis. Again, to find out how you can have your own personal screening or speedway event with Victoria just go to myerink.com. M E Y E R I N K dot com.
0: The little boy next door who only makes you sore is known as Someday Turn Your head for right now. Hi, this is Ashley Scott, and you're listening to AME Radio. It's a 72 dog, sip at the air. Oh my, what a wonderful day. Any sunshine head a
2: Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We have on the line with us a very special guest. His name is Frank Ford. You've seen him before because we've had him on before. And he is a founding member of the 4-Day Weekend, and now he just wrote a book that has just been released called Happy Accidents, The Transformative Power of Yes, And, At Work, And, In Life. Welcome to the show, Frank. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me back on. It's an honor and a privilege and a pleasure.
2: It absolutely is, and you know, the, uh, the one thing we didn't do from last time, and that was we didn't get a chance to sit down and do that television show when you came to Orlando, but hopefully that's still in the works.
0: Y'all that's right. Yeah, you know what? Unfortunately, we didn't get a chance, but again, we travel all over the country all the time, so the next time we're back in Orlando, I promise we'll let you know and give you a heads up and, uh, and do the show live.
2: Well, that'll be, that's going to be so much fun for everybody, because, I mean, last time we had a lot of fun, and I know we're going to have a lot of fun today. In fact, we got a special, a special thing lined up for everybody here we're going to have to surprise them with it in a little bit. But first, let's get to talking about this book. Now, it's always exciting to be able to write a book. Tell us a little bit about why you decided to write this particular book.
0: Okay, well, you know, we've been around for 20 years now, and uh, one of the Things that became most popular in recent years has been our keynote and workshop. Uh, It's the Founders Yes N keynote and workshop, and a lot of Fortune 500 companies uh, or even medium and small businesses have hired us to talk about our business philosophy, right? Which is based on the improvisational philosophy of Yes N. And over the last few years, uh, we've been a lot of people were saying, "Man, you you really should put this in a book," you know, because not everybody can attend. Our our keynotes are workshops, and we thought to ourselves, boy, you know, we could get a, a much broader reach uh, if we write a book. And it really was born out of the success of the keynote and workshop. And, and also, we knew that we wanted to share the secrets of our success with everybody, the world, basically. And so, the book was a really great tool to have to be able to put it out there. Uh, on a much broader scale than than just doing, you know, a one-off keynote or or workshop. But it really was uh, born out of sharing uh, the secrets of our success with with everybody that we could. Because it's a great message, and and we think it's it's really easy to learn and easy to implement and practice, and it will make you a better individual or a better company.
2: Mm -hmm. So how can you use the terms yes and in work and life other than just improvisation and how to kind of kind of give us a little bit of background how yes and came into the terms of improvisation
0: okay well here's the deal if anyone who's watched whose line is it anywhere or seen a live improvisational show uh, you know that the audience might throw out a suggestion and the performers on stage have to take that suggestion and start a scene or a song that's improvised immediately Now, one of the things that improv teaches you to do is be present, be in the moment, right? And you don't have time to judge anything. There's no time for judgment. You know, in our world, there are no right or wrong answers. There are only higher and lower percentage choices. (laughs) That's the loophole. But here's the deal with uh, a yes-end, being a yes-end person, is that you can take a low percentage choice and yes-end it into the greatest idea no one's ever thought or heard of, the out-of-the-box, out-of-left-field idea. Uh, so, so we always subscribe to yes and on the stage. And it's imperative that everybody play by those same rules. You know, we strike the word no from our vocabulary as improvisers. We only know yes and. And, and what it helps is the yes part is the, okay, let's say someone suggests, you know, dog. Uh, you take that suggestion, and, and without saying yes-end in scenes, you know, the more advanced you get, you don't actually say yes-end. But the philosophy is there. The yes part is agreeing to the suggestion of dog or the idea of it. And the end part is building on that idea. And then we as improvisers uh, basically improvise the scene, and we build on the pertinent information of each other's line. Uh, There's no safety net. Uh, It's basically each line is sort of like putting a plank of a bridge down as you're crossing the bridge. But we're willing to cross the bridge together and step into the unknown because... We trust that each other's going to make each other look good. We're never going to sabotage each other and make each other look stupid. The whole thing about improv is that I make you look good and you make me look good. And if we do that, if we play by those rules, then we're both going to look good. So, yes, end is a very forward progressive uh, uh, philosophy uh, that is instrumental in doing improv very well. And what we found as business owners was. It, what worked so well for us on stage worked just as well off stage. And not only with our business, which we applied it to our business model, but also with interpersonal relationships with friends and family. So yes, and really is a philosophy for life, not just for improvisation.
2: You know, I can see that now because the yes, and keeps you very open-minded. And sometimes we're so close-minded that we completely destroy something that could have been amazing because we just don't want to hear it. We don't want to look at the good side of it, or we don't want to look at the whole picture. We just want to see, the, we just see that quick little immediate result, which may not even happen. So by keeping that yes and open, it allows you to be more, free and spirit, more free-spirited and uh, look at different, different things that you may not have decided to consider before. Am I right?
0: Uh, now you are speaking like a true yes and person. Yes, you're absolutely right. Look, in our culture, We've been programmed over the years, especially as adults. Kids don't have a problem with this, but adults do. We've been programmed that our default is no or yes, but. You know, we have sort of a, a negative default. And, and our default as improvisers is, is yes, and. You know, we always say that uh, by saying no, you give the illusion uh, of control, and you shut the door to possibility. By saying yes or yes, and, you relinquish control. But you open the door to all kinds of possibilities. And, and that, that takes a little bit of training. That's why, you know, when people take our workshops, you know, we say, hey, look, we understand that in life you have to say no. We get it. I mean, but we just ask that it be a considerate no. You know, for instance, if you're a parent and you have kids uh, and your kid says, hey, dad, I want to go play out in the middle of the freeway uh, at night, you wouldn't say yes and wear camouflage so none of the cars can see you. You wouldn't do that. (laughs) What you would do as a parent is you'd build on the idea You say, yes, and why don't we go to the park during the day and we'll play some catch where it's safer. Whatever it is, there's always a workaround. We just ask that a no in life be a considerate no. But to your point, yeah, the default in in, in our culture is no. No is the default. And we're just suggesting that, hey, retrain your brain a little bit to make yes or yes and the default and see where it takes you.
2: Well, you know, this show has always really been about the arts and stuff, and, and what, working in the arts and working with people in the arts, I have seen so many people, and I've, I'm guilty of this myself, we never think we're good enough, so sometimes we just give up. <laughs> you know, we hit that wall, and it's like, wow, that wall looks so tall. But you can scale the wall. You can go under the wall. You can go around the wall. There are ways around It just may not be as simple as you expect. And I think people have given up on... You know, God-given talents that could have taken them to so many amazing places because of the fact that they didn't keep up with the with that idea of not only believing in themselves but believing the yes and mentality.
0: Yeah, yeah. You, you know, the thing one of the things that we say in the book, and it's true, is that look, life is all about the leap. It's not about the landing. It it never is about the landing. It it's only about the leap because you're going to land somewhere, okay. But if you let And your insecurities dictate your choices in life. You're never going to make the leap, and that's what the whole thing is about. You know, it's the adventure of 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 life. You don't want to play the prevent defense of life or creativity, because you know if you're letting fear dictate or your insecurities dictate, you know you're surviving. You're not living. And that and improv is all about the leap, not about the landing. Every time we get a suggestion. And start to create a scene on stage with no safety net we're venturing out into the unknown together you know in improv we always say you don't know where you're going you only know where you've been but're we're, again we're willing to step into the unknown and make the leap because of the trust and uh, we build with each other uh, uh, knowing that we're never going to make each other look bad that everything is born out of this very positive progressive forward thinking form of yes and so yes you're right I think a lot of people let fear and insecurities keep them from Following their, their dreams, you, you know, and I think it was uh, Henry David Thoreau who once said, you know, most people, and I'm paraphrasing here, most people live their lives in a form of quiet desperation and go to the grave with a song still in their heart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in life, you, you don't want to go to the grave with a song still in your heart. You, you want to sing in this life. You want to do things in this life. You want to venture out, take a chance and, and be adventurous, you know. So Yes and helps you do that
2: you know the, the 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 thought of people in, in your situation i'm sure that you know you you've been out on the stage and you've gotten some really you know weird dingers that come out to you that's like wow how am i going to be able to continue on with that because it's just like wow that is crazy but i've noticed that no matter what people throw at you there's always something that can be used from that and you can take it and spin it however you however however you want it to be um, it just depends on your mentality and how you want to go with that. You could, ter- you could turn it completely negative. You could turn it completely positive. You can make it funny. You can make it sad. It's just a matter of what comes at you and, and how you take what is handed to you. Um,
0: so that, that, Boy, you were touching on something that's really important here, and, and, and that is the environment with which you want to improvise. And you, you have two choices, and this goes for anything in life. You know, if you're familiar with the laws of attraction, positive attracts positive, negative attracts negative. Well, you can choose to improvise in a positive environment, or you can choose to uh, improvise within a negative environment. Um, you know, it's it, 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 like, for instance, uh, years ago in a show, uh, we got a suggestion. It was Aviator. And uh, one of the things on stage you're supposed to do is make eye contact with your improv, improv partner. Um, so that you know when to speak and when they speak and all that well, one time somebody yelled improviser and uh, two of us took the stage, and we didn't make eye contact. We, we broke a, a cardinal rule of improvisation, and uh, the audience w- w- knew that we w- had made a mistake or what seemed like a mistake and I happened to be one of the people in the scene so I interpreted Aviator as a pilot of an airplane uh, and my partner interpreted aviator as aviator glasses that a police officer, a motorcycle police officer, would wear, like chips. And so on one side of the stage, he set up a motorcycle cop and aviator glasses. And on the other side of the stage, I set up an, a pilot uh, who was an aviator in the cockpit of an airplane. Now, the audience sees this and they realize, oh, these two guys just interpreted aviator completely differently, and this is a huge mistake. We're, we're going to see a scene crash and burn, uh, which is part of the thrill of improv, uh, kind of like NASCAR, right? <laughs> so so you, you don't know what's going to happen. You're like, whoa, they're going without a net. Anything could happen. Well, we don't panic in improvisation. That was a low percentage choice on our part, for sure. But we just calmly eventually looked at each other. I realized what he was doing, aviator glasses on a bicycle cop, at, or a motorcycle cop, and then I was an aviator uh, in, a, in the cockpit of a major airliner. And he got off his motorcycle, walks over to me, knocks on the cockpit door, and I get out of my pilot seat, go to the cockpit door, open it up. And he looks at me and he says, do you know how fast you were going? And the scene became about a speed trap at an airport and that the city was making a ton of money pulling planes over that were speeding, right? <laughs> and now this right here, <laughs> funny, right? Yeah. Now, now that idea uh, would never have come about if we judged each other on stage. If I looked at him and said, oh my God, you're, you're kidding me. You're, you're aviator glasses, really? Or if he looked at me and said, hey, come on, look, I, aviator glasses, what are you, a pilot? Oh my God. If we judged each other, that beautiful moment and, uh, and the marriage of those two uh, 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 seemingly disparate ideas would never occur. But the beauty of yes and is that you take those things, you know, like the old Reese's peanut butter cup. You know, you put some chocolate in my peanut butter, you put some peanut butter in my chocolate. Two great tastes that taste great together. You know, that's what improv is all about. And so we took a low percentage choice and turned it into the out of left field, out of the box idea we would have never come up with individually. And that's the beauty of the yes and.
2: Yeah, it is, and, and that is really cool that you were able to, to work off of that and, and still make it funny. Now, is all improv yeah. funny, or is it more, mostly, it could, be, it could be serious and funny? How, how does it work?
0: Uh, well, I'll tell you what. It, 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 in my experience, just because of the way that we do our show, uh, a byproduct, a natural byproduct uh, of our improvisation, the way that we do it in scenes and songs, is comedy, uh, there's a lot of laughs in our in our show, uh, but but it's it's done that way. If you were to come from the school of Del Close, who's the godfather of improvisation, uh, you know he would tell you or, or, or say that you could do improv based in characters and and, and characters with motivations and and a story um, with no laughs. Uh, and and maybe all of it eventually at the end would culminate in a huge guttural belly laugh, and that's okay. Um, In the end, you know, improvisation, whether it's done uh, uh, seriously for acting purposes or dramatic purposes or done for for comedy, is really just this very complex, uh, heightened form of brainstorming. Um, And that's why a lot of people who improvise or whether dramatically or, or comedically, uh, use some of the ideas that are spawned from improvisation to write sketch shows about, to write scripts about. You, you know, you really can, if you want to, take some of those ideas and bottle them in the form of, of writing. Uh, the Second City in Chicago does that all the time. That's how they do their main stage shows. You know, that thing is honed and crafted and polished and refined over time based on improv sets that they'll do after their, the main stage review that, that's currently running. Um, and it's a fascinating process. So it doesn't always have to be funny to answer your question, but for our business, it has to be funny. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, before, I want to kind of get into our
2: little fun little thing that we're going to be doing here, uh, but okay. before we do that, I want everybody to figure out, uh, f- tell them how they can f- get this book and how they can contact you or find out more about 4-Day uh,
0: Weekend. Oh, okay. Well, thank you very much. Oh, well, it's very easy. All they have to do is go to Amazon.com and uh, look up Happy Accidents, The Transformative Power of Yes and at Work and in Life. Uh, you can also purchase it on Barnes & Noble. And to find out more about the book uh, and 4Day Weekend, you could just go to FourDayWeekend.com. dayweekendcom and it's spelled out, F-O-U-R-D-A-Y, Weekend.com. And uh, you can uh, check out uh, some content that we have on the website as well.
2: Perfect. So... Guys, we're going to do something fun here for you. I'm going to be learning the art of improv, and he's never done uh, – Frank has never done a improv over the phone. I've never done improv, period. So this is going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to try to ha- entertain you guys here for the last few minutes of the show. So, Frank, go ahead, and let's start off and have a little bit of fun.
0: Okay, great. Now, for your listeners here, this is a first, by the way. I've never improvised or, or done a yes-end exercise over the phone, so we're all going to do something new uh for the first time together uh in the spirit of it, yes and let's do this. So, uh, here's what I'm going to do for your listeners. I I'm going to uh throw uh, ask uh, Jason to throw out a declarative statement. And it doesn't matter what he says, uh I'm going to build on that declarative statement by starting my response with the words yes and. I'm going to uh assume uh, ownership of his idea by saying I or we. I'm going to speak in the first person or or we as a group versus him or you, uh, because then I would try, be trying to distance myself from his idea. So I'll start with yes then start in the first person, and then the end part of yes-end is I'm going to build on his declarative statement. I'm going to build on the pertinent information that he throws out. So Jason, go ahead, throw me a declarative statement. Let's do this. We'll go back and forth and see where this goes.
2: So when I woke up this morning, I went downstairs to my living room, looked out the window to only find my next door neighbor out in his out in his tidy whiteys watering his lawn.
0: Yes, and because I saw my neighbor in his tidy whiteys watering his lawn, I decided to walk out in my tidy whiteys and say hello. Yes, and because I
2: walked out in front my in, in front in my front yard with my tidy whities on to say hello my next door neighbor decided to come out in her uh... in her bra and panties to say hello
0: (laughs) Yes, and because she decided to come out in her bra and panties and say hello the other neighbors in the neighborhood association saw this and decided we all would come out on our front lawns in our underwear and have a block party
2: (laughs) (laughs) yes and because everybody decided to come out in their underwear and have a block party the local newspaper decided they wanted to cover this for their first ever front page story in local news, saying what a bunch of freaks we are.
0: <laughs> yes, and because the local paper decided to run this with a front page story talking about how big of a freaks we are, it got national, even worldwide attention, and became viral.
2: Yes, and because it became a national attention getter, and it went viral.
0: Now I am a selfie king. There you go. And that is the power of Yes Then. Look where that went. We started with a guy in his whitey tighties watering his lawn and end with, You're the selfie king of the world. And that is the power of Yes Then. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Nutshell. That is
2: true. And you know what? The funny thing is, <laughs> that happened. It's not, not exactly that way, but I did come out, and my next door neighbor was. I was driving down the street, and this this guy was out in his tidy whities eating a chicken chicken, uh, uh, leg and watering his lawn.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, Jason. You know what you just did? It's so funny. We always talk about truth in comedy. You know, whenever you do comedy, you bring a part of yourself or truth to it, and you just did that without even realizing you were doing it my friend, you are a, a natural improviser and comedian. You brought truth to comedy without realizing that is a very important part of uh, what makes comedy work. <laughs> that's great.
2: <laughs> well, thank you so much, Frank. This has yeah. been a lot of fun. And I, I hope everybody out there learned it, you know, got to experience this too. And I'm hoping that they'll maybe want to try something themselves or, you know, get out there and get out of their comfort zone, which is exactly what your book is telling you how to do and be open-minded because that's, what I love to do, and I love to make people laugh, and I love to make people smile, and I like to you know, get my word out there and get other people's word out there, and that's why I'm doing this, this show together. So you know, it's it just, it just proving another point that I, that I try to reiterate each and every show, just to be true to yourself, get out there, and don't be closed-minded and believe in yourself.
0: Well, Jason, you made me laugh, you made me smile, and you did one heck of a job with Yes, that's really not easy to do, and you did it with flying colors. So congratulations, that was fantastic. Well, thank
2: you. And Frank, we are unfortunately running out of time, so one more time, how can people go ahead and get your book?
0: All right. They can go to Amazon.com and look up Happy Accidents, The Transformative Power of Yes and At Work and In Life, or go to 4dayweekend.com.
2: right. Well, Frank, thank you so much for coming on here. I had a lot of fun, and I know we, we hit a first here. I did my first improv. You did your first improv over <laughs> the phone. And um, yes, we did. Uh, I wish your book all the best. I hope it helps a lot of people. And again, if you ever come back here to Orlando, I'd love to be able to meet you up meet up with you and uh, do a television segment with you.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Jason. And I will definitely, or we will definitely, take you up on that.
2: Awesome. All right, guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have more, so don't go anywhere. Hi, I'm internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd, and I released one of my most profound photographic collections to date, my 3D collection. Since 2009, I've looked for ways to bring my art to life in ways that would amaze my audience. After a rare malfunction at Disney, I realized that 3D was the way to go. Now the series can be seen in galleries all the way across the United States. If you want to see this collection, contact my studio, Imagination Art Studios, by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com and ask how. While you're there, check out my award-winning Dreams, Nightmares, Fears, and Fantasy collection, as well as my Morbid Sensations collection. Again, that's www.imaginationartstudios.com. Welcome back, everybody. We are about ready to close out the show. I hope you guys had fun with us today because I know I had a lot of fun with you. Now, remember, you can join us again next week, same time, same channel, same bat time, same bat channel. I'll I'll go there. Anyways, all you have to do is go check out amfm247.com every Friday at 7 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time and every Saturday at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That is two different shows. So check out both shows because you're going to get something different each time. And they are on 11 AM FM stations across the country through that network as well. And also every Friday at 12 o'clock PM Eastern Standard Time on WKLAP.com. It's an internet radio station. And you can find us on Radio Love. That's RadioLUV.com. It's an internet radio station every Saturday at 7 o'clock PM Eastern Standard Time. You can also find us on iTunes and iHeart. And if you want to check us out on iHeart, all you have to do is go to iHeart.com. In the little search engine up there, go in the AME radio and subscribe to us. Now, remember, th- those shows get out there before anybody else sees it, so it's kind of like our VIP program that we implemented for free. How cool is that? Anyways, guys, that's all we got for you. We're going to be leaving you with a, with a song called Don't Fear the Reaper. It's to keep you in that holiday spirit. And remember, we will be back again next week, same time, same time. Good night, everybody, and keep those creative juices. To the wind, the sun or the rain
0: We're done. Calm down, people. Calm down. Okay. That's it.